Welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. So excited to have my friend, Dr. Nitha Bushin on the Wise Woman Podcast. In this episode, I share with you the amazing Nitha, former dentist turned serial entrepreneur, expert coach, so much wisdom. We dive into her five-step framework. This is a framework you use when you find yourself in the thick of an intense emotional situation. It is really a powerful practice. We talk about her book, That Sucked, Now What? Coming out on January 31st, 2023. I am so excited to dive in. Thank you all for being here and enjoy the episode. everybody welcome to the wise woman podcast i am so excited to be present with all of you today we are here with my friend nitha this is so fun to be back together oh my gosh i know right it's been <clears throat> i want to say what seven eight years yeah eight. yeah wow. so we connected at i think a, a wellness event in chicago mm -hmm. in I probably think it was one of the it was, it was, I think an event that I brought you on to, it was a, I had these step into greatness one day events and I brought you on to do, to kind of ground the space and to, you know, open up with the meditation healing, but I ended up doing those events like in four cities and then burnt out fully that year. <laughs> But that's where we met. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so wise. wise I love woman. that. I remember perfectly. Actually, I think it was through Elise Wagner yes. from the Institute of Functional Medicine. She's like, you two need to connect. And then I remember I just moved back from Israel and you were doing this amazing event. And I think I probably slid into your DMs or emailed you. And I was like, I'll teach meditation. Like I need to be there. And that was so loving of you. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think it was just divine timing because yeah. I had, I had just sold my, uh, dental practice, my cosmetic dental practice in Chicago. I was doing that for about, you know, seven years and I was on the path, right. I was on the healing journey so much so that I'm like, all right, let me just my practice now. And my very hesitant, you know, Filipino Indian family thought I like joined a cult because anytime that you kind of start walking the walk, you start purging things that no longer fit in your life. And for me, it was making these big decisions. So I remember having brought you on, it was my very first one was in Chicago. And while I had been to many different events and things before, this was the first time that I would put my own event together. And shortly after I sold my practice, right? So there was a little bit of imposter syndrome. There was a little bit of, oh boy, people only know me as a dentist. Like here I am putting this full event together, talking about emotions and feelings and, you know, your next potential of your best self. And here you are saying yes. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. But internally I was like freaking out because that was the first time that people would witness me in a different light, you know? That was a really powerful event. I remember so many people loved 
really made a lot of plans so they could be there. And I remember one of your questions was, it was role play and you had to do it with another partner. Oh yeah. And the question was your boss or like someone you're working with or underneath wants you to take home a lot of work for the weekend and you're gonna say no to them. How are you gonna say no to them? And I, I remember you're like, Aaron, you're really good at this. And I'm like, well, I don't have a boss right now. I'm like living in my parents' house, building my business. Like, so I thought that was such a wonderful example, but it was such a hard obstacle for so many people. It still is. It still is. It's one of the things I feel like now, you know, even in my, a lot of the work that I do, but even in my newest book, we talk about how do you lean into those courageous, those brave conversations? Because it's not a skill set that we kind of grow up with, right? We're taught, let's be, you know, uh, let's be courteous and and understanding. And this is how a lot of like people pleasing kind of shows up. And I'm a former people pleaser to the T 100%, you know, kind of having this like martyr archetype and role because I had to grow up early. It's part of my backstory and be a caretaker to my parents. And also in our culture, I mean, it's like uh, sacrificing your happiness for your elders was like a really big thing. And so, uh, and so that was probably part of, of my work, my own internal work, where I became so unapologetic and wanting to change everyone's beliefs around how they have difficult, courageous conversations and how to be brave at doing so. And so leaning into, I think, sucking at having those is a big, uh, it, it's a big re re revelation for ourselves, I think. The thing about people pleasing is not everybody's doing it. And that's like where the dissonance is. If we all were going out of our way to make everybody feel comfortable and compassionate and grounded, it wouldn't be people pleasing. It would be the norm of our culture. Yeah. But just because majority women are doing it or oldest siblings or middle children or whatever story we tell ourselves uh, of being the peacemaker in the family. I love talking about people pleasing. What are some of your, how did you move through it? What are some of your strategies? Oh, wow. I think so. There's a, you know, there's a, I, I had kind of many of my, you know, dark nights of the soul. <clears throat> and so I'll give you context. So the, I think a few years before we had just initially met, I would go through one of my own big awakenings, right? And that was speaking my truth and really honoring myself in a relationship for the very first time. And mind you, I had grown up, like I said, uh, so fast. I was a child caretaker at 10. I would then lose my mom, my brother, and my dad all before I was 19. So I had to grow up early. I was the caretaker for my youngest brother, who you met at that same event. And so, you know, in my 20s, I had learned very much on what it meant to gain validation from other people and how to keep the peace. <clears throat> and so then I, you know, I, I, I fell in love. I, I, one of the things in my coping mechanism was I would hold on to relationships that were not 
healthy. They were toxic. I was really trying to um, gain external validation from these unhealthy, emotionally unavailable people. Well, so much so that on December 31st, 2011, I found myself in a very dangerous situation where I had to leave haphazardly middle of the night, December 31st, Chicago, New Year's Eve, you know, everyone's celebrating. And I am like, I cannot stay here, not one second longer. And it's like, literally I snapped and I snapped and I, it's almost like I kind of gained consciousness of myself and my reality of like, what am I doing to myself? And so taking that courageous and brave step and saying, I, to myself, even there is, I can't, I can no longer do this. I can no longer suppress my voice. And that would then turn into fast forward, giving you a snapshot, but that would turn into then uh, filing a restraining order in Chicago, going before a judge. I mean, all of these uncomfortable situations where it was begging more of my truth to come out that I was suppressing for a very long time because I didn't want to shake the peace. I didn't want, you know, the people to the external voices to think, well, what you failed at a marriage as well. What happened? What did you do? Right. And so these were all, by the way, stories I had in my head because I felt like I had to keep everything together throughout all of that chaos and drama in my life growing up um, really early. And so then fast forward to where I finally started awakening for myself and starting to heal, first speaking my truth outside of that marriage then speaking my truth in my dental practice of what really was going on. Because, you know, when you're in a, um, when you're just getting out of a breakup, who wants to tell like your coworkers and, and, and other people in the professional world. And especially for me, I had this big practice. So I was so afraid of being judged. I was so afraid that they're going to find out who I really was keeping this lie that, she, you know, she's, she's not as happy as she, she was. Right. And so <clears throat> saying this, breaking down, sobbing fully, which I didn't really allow myself to cry even through all my, my losses. And that was the first initial step of practicing these difficult conversations, sharing. And when I, when we talk about difficult conversations, Aaron, it's really, practicing vulnerability because that's what we're afraid of. What are we afraid of on the other side? We're afraid that we're going to be judged. We're afraid that we're not going to say the right thing. We're afraid that we're going to disappoint somebody else. So I was afraid I was going to let my team down because if I told them this, would they be worried about their jobs? Would they leave me too? Would that reignite some of my abandonment wounds around losing people? And so but I was, I couldn't carry all that pain anymore that alone that I said, this is what's going on. And as soon as I said, this is what's going on, the very first thing happened, everyone, everyone was pouring in. I mean, we, we doubled our size in revenue that year, and that's really not what I was trying to do at all, but it's a testament of when you let people in, let them yeah. pour into you, then massive healing happens. And it's like the floodworks open and you're like, we're carrying you together like a village. And that that's the first time where I 
officially felt held. And that's when I started to make it a priority to share the uncomfortable. I mean, it's one of the concepts that I talk about in my book, That Suck Now What, is there's a there's this idea of how do you evoke good stress because good stress builds our bounce factor and our bounce factor is key to building our resiliency and our resiliency is not just our toughness right it's our ability to move through with softness with grace with agility with flexibility and knowing that okay i'm not going to be as good as something but i know that when I get better at having these difficult conversations, because I'm so worried about disappointing the other, that I'm going to actually grow from this and, and, and lean into the suck. So it actually then becomes my superpower and my magic through my mess, whatever mess that I'm in. Nisa, you share so many powerful nuggets there, and I want to dive into two of them. I think there, there's something called, I talk to my community about the side effect effect, and it's the side effect of speaking what feels authentic for you. And the side effect of showing up for self is a seven figure business or like the abundance in the business or the, the people that are always going to come and support you. And I find that so interesting because I notice that people like really question their desires and their dreams. I'm sure you see this all the time too. Okay. And the other thing that's so interesting is I think people assume that once they are authentic, that they're not sure how the community is going to respond. And what I've learned and likely what you have also learned and what you're sharing right now is your community always catches you. Like the audience is always going to respond accordingly. And I think those are two really powerful lessons in your story. You have a very profound story, Nitha. Thank you so much, love. Thank you for, for seeing me and honoring me. And and honestly, community has been, you're right, my through line from when, you know, I, I remember back when I was 16 years old and my mom, <clears throat> they they just found out that her cancer had spread into her lungs, into her brain, and she spent many nights at the ICU. And so we would go to the hospital just to my, I would gather all of my friends and literally you would think at 16, you know, most people are going out on the weekends or house parties or whatever. Like my friends at 16 were at the hospital with, and they were bringing their guitar and singing. And, you know, we had like a little, you know, somebody brought a harmonica one time, I mean, performing, uh, sharing jokes, but this shared community and that I've honestly kind of built and taken through and in different in many, you know, I've been to 60 countries now, but in different parts of the world, when I was actually nomadic and traveling and doing research, there's always been a sense of community. So fast forward, even after my darkest night of leaving my tumultuous marriage, it was because friends and my brother. So again, what I call it's, it's their, they are your sole support posse. They are there because they don't care about what you do. They care about your soul and they're there to 
because they see the best version of you. So my brother and my girlfriend, they saw a better version of me outside of that relationship, even before I did. Right. But they weren't willing. They weren't saying like, oh, I hate him and he sucks. No. I mean, they just said, hey, do you think you're going to be in this 10 years from now? Because you have such a beautiful future around you. And you see, most people don't think that they can get out and you can. And so just to paint that picture, because, you know, usually as friends or community, we want the best for our friend. We want the best for our community. But many times they're not ready to receive it. So there's also, you know, the other side to that is they have to be ready to receive that information. And, 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 and I think also the patience around that. And so that has been, you know, even in finding love again for me, uh, because yes, I did find love again, but years later it would turn into, well, the community was right there in community that actually helped foster, well, what kind of person do I need to be in order to attract this next version of myself or this next partner that I want to be with. Well, I have to actually date myself. I have to actually be honest with my desires, but then you have a witnessing, I call them a posse, right? A witnessing posse that can actually ask you questions to go deeper. And your posse can look like, you know, getting professional support in terms of coaches and, and, you know, uh, teachers and healers and body workers and advisors, but they can also look like other people that are also in different events and maybe even people that you see online that you're like, wow, I can really vibe with them, but you're so afraid to share. So I have a whole process of that also, you know, listed in my book, because these are some of the things that I just, I would say that, you know, now having lived through a lot of these sucky moments, that community building and community nurturing has been such a superpower because I'm not afraid of, I'm like, all right, I know she's probably busy or I know somebody else is probably busy. I'm going to give them the benefit and I'm not going to be afraid of this rejection because maybe they have something else going on, but I'm going to keep trying because, you know, maybe at whatever point that things align, we're, we're, you know, it, it, I think it'll, it's all going to happen in divine timing. Nisa, can you bring us to December 31st, it's Chicago, New Year's, cold, maybe snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. And you're having this coming to God moment. Something needs to change on the knees, you know, praying to God as you understand it. I even, I'm also almost done with the first draft of my book. And I think there's this tether in a lot of people's stories where you have that moment where it's it's more than just i didn't intend for this it's how is this my reality can you walk us through what an aligned step looked like for you in that exact moment yeah actually i now have a full you know five steps uh, of a framework that i talk about in the book and you know just to give everyone context of, of of listening when we have a sucky moment, when we have, and even in the book, there's three parts to it. There's that magical moment that sucked, but when it happens, you're not, you're not noticing what the magic was yet. 
And then we get into, you know, the second part is understanding why we were in the suck to begin with and how we can strengthen ourselves and build that internal foundation so that things can suck a little bit less. And then in the third part of it, we talk about how do you actually crawl out or what are those initial steps kind of like December 31st for me. And this can look like a big thing in your life, like leaving a relationship, a divorce, or it could even look like saying yes to yourself and quitting that job that you've always hated or didn't like. And for me, looking at that mirror in my master bedroom that day on December 31st, I knew and I recognized in my heart that I was falling. And so step one is really in order to fly forward is we have to really understand well, and, and maybe not even understand, but it's, it's the acknowledging that, oh my gosh, like I am not okay. I, or it could be that it could be a medical diagnosis. It could be that maybe you physically got into a car accident and it's now slowing you down. There's, for me, it was recognizing that my reality and the pain that I was feeling, I could not suppress. I couldn't deny. I couldn't distract. I couldn't shove under a carpet anymore. I had to embrace this reality and So that's recognition is the fall. But then the second step is ignition because it sparks something that you have to make a decision. Either you decide that you're going to stay in that relationship or at that house or in your reality or at that job with that friend that keeps putting you down, or you're going to do something different. Now, most people, as you can imagine, and this happened you know, several times for me to be in this toxic relationship, this was like the final straw because this was the last time I would let his hands struck my face. And it was a profound moment, but I know that for many of you who are also moving through, you know, dark nights of the soul, just questioning yourself or really in the suck or really stuck in what I call the suck moment, it could look completely different, but it's knowing that, all right, it's igniting me. It's, it's causing me to come forward into the pain, into that dark night, which is why it's called that dark night of the soul. Lean into that discomfort because then that next step, step three, is when we get into rising. And rising is really, we're kind of, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like the phoenix rising from the ashes. It's, we're, we're starting to gain a new momentum, a new flow of who we are and what it's asking of us in that moment on December 31st, it was requiring me, requiring me to go into the depths of my inner strength that I had no idea I had. I had to be courageous. I had to be brave to actually leave, pack all my bags, share for the first time with my aunts and uncles, what the reality was and my family around me, my brother, everybody, even though they kind of knew they didn't know the full gravity of the situation right and and as we are rising in that stage we're leaning into the uncomfortable it is uncomfortable it is not fun it is painful there's a lot of uncertainty but with that there's also a lot of peace there's also a lot of curiosity there's also a lot of wow celebration for yourself 
And not, I'm not talking about a big celebration. It's a tiny celebration because we're also saying yes to this new walk in our life. And then, and then getting into that stage four, step four, which is our magnify stage. When, when we are magnifying, we're actually creating boundaries for ourselves, and we're now creating and, and we're now, you know, we have a new pep in our step, but we have built so much confidence because we've accepted our reality finally. And finally, we're now starting to alchemize or starting to shift and transform what happened to us to now, how can I share this with other people? And how can I share this with other people can look like a number of different things. Um, you know, for me, it was starting a nonprofit for women and girls. It was, you know, also volunteering at a domestic violence organization. It was getting help in how in doing EMDR and somatic work. And it could look like a variety of ways, but you are so confident in your next steps that you are, you are now quieting the sideline noise. It doesn't matter about anybody else's journey, but your own. Whereas before in the falling stage, you might question, well, what is other people going to think? Magnifying stage, you're not going to do that anymore because you're so sure of yourself. Now in the thriving stage, thriving, that's step five. That just means that it's no longer about you. Maybe you start a podcast. Maybe you start sharing this with your friend circles. Maybe you start doing lives on, you know, the internet or start a YouTube channel. It is not about you anymore. You're now turning your mess into the magic that serves others. And anytime that you have a fall, because we all are going to have falls, right? That cycle continues, but that fall isn't going to be as dark or deep as that initial fall was. And you're knowing that you're still going to have the duality and the complexity of those feelings, the feelings of maybe being skeptical at a new relationship. And I know I was definitely that for the longest time when I started dating. And even my my now husband, Ajit, would totally say, he's like, you were thriving, but you were also still, you know, there was still that reserved uh, nature of me, but there was also the curiosity and the play that I'm like, huh, there could be something different there, but you're still also guarding your heart at the same time. And I think Knowing that and in thriving, we're welcoming all of those emotions because we're not suppressing certain aspects of us because that's going to show up. And that's how all of those steps, so falling, igniting, rising, magnifying, and thriving, that's what it leads to you flying forward past those sucky moments. Thank you for recapping the steps at the end. For anyone that's listening there is work to do here. If this resonates, if you're getting body shivers, if your soul is swooning, this is an exact framework that can take you from the that sucked and the next aligned step. And I, I think it's so important for people to understand that these moments, they are intense and they're a pressure cooker and they hurt so much. And they usually lead to, and I'm not saying this happens right away, but it's the gateway for the miracle. The door closed, the windows open. In positive psychology, we call this positive reframing. I don't always know if it's necessary to dive into the 
silver lining, if you will, right away when you're experiencing that extreme obstacle, when you're in the thick of the heavy emotion. But it's so important to, as a listener or as somebody on the path of healing, aligning and growing, this happens, the hitting the knees and praying. And I love that there's a direct framework on how to take the next aligned step. Neetha, I want to hear more about your relationship. I feel like I feel like I I know him. Like there's like a he's so familiar. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely a familiar uh, familiar face and a familiar uh, a familiar soul. You know, it's it's interesting as you can know, you can see the that sucked part. And I'm so glad you said that sucked because for anybody that is walking the walk and the path of healing, I don't call this book, this sucks, because that is implying that we are still in the in soup the of, it. of the suck. And, and when we say that sucked, we're acknowledging it, we're giving it reverence, we're giving it respect and that dignity, but we're also saying we're honoring that as it happened, it's in the past. And now how do we move forward and how do we heal into the now what? And the now what can be bold. It can be different. It can be completely different than that first chapter. And so I'm so glad we're getting into uh, the actual, you know, how I found love again. Well, it's exactly how I, I mentioned it was it was messy. It was chaotic. I, I, I was, it was like one foot in and one foot out, but when I, and, and, you know, my whole, uh, shift was saying yes to different kinds of experiences and saying yes to even, um, strengthening my male relationships and the male relationships that I had in my life, because, that for me was practice to say, hey, I can trust again. I can trust and I can have banter and fun and and allow and, and be okay to be safe in the presence of a man. And we can also be platonic in that way. And so, but there were some sucky moments in that too, because I think I needed to get so clear on what my truest desires and how I also needed to show up for a partner. And so until I actually got so clear on that, which was if I wanted, you know, if I wanted my partner to be vulnerable, needed to be vulnerable. If I wanted my partner to be honest, then I needed to be honest as well and probably even go first. Right. And so I remember being in, uh, you know, in Bali at uh, Bali Spirit Fest and amazing. I went to another conference and it led me to Kuala Lumpur. Well, anyways, I didn't realize that he was going to be in Kuala Lumpur and I had met him three years before at an event, which was in a different country in the Dominican Republic. And then a year later, we spoke at a different event in India and it was a leadership event. So it was, 
it was, it was almost like divine timing that we would meet in different countries. He's from India originally, and he was living in Malaysia for 10 years. And, you know, I think we've shared, but we both love, you know, Southeast Asia. And I did spend a lot of time there. My mom's from the Philippines. My dad's from India. And I would actually speak to leadership corporations over there. So it would bring me back. And so that's how we got together and we said, uh, you know, our commitment to love was all right, we'll, 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 you know, we'll venture out into different places. Cause my first book was coming out at the time. He was also speaking at all these events. So 33 cities and 17 months later, we then had our first unit union among nine, uh, in different parts of the world, including burning man. And then a year after that, we settled in, um, LA and we had our first child, Wild. Two years wow. after that, we moved to LA, I mean, to Austin, Texas, and had our, our second baby. So for those of you in the thick of it right now, I mean, I never thought I would be sitting here in front of you, Aaron, and, and saying, yeah, I did find love again. I was able to heal through it. And I, I was able to recreate a life that I'd always wanted, but then now on my terms, and so it has been such an incredible journey that I think any listener, you know, here uh, could take away from that sucked to now what and to fly forward. Nitha, I love it. It is so fun to be back in your energy. We're definitely going to have a take two of this podcast because I love talking about divine timing and relationships. I feel as though the one of the many awakenings that are happening right now is to wait until you're with your soulmate, like is to do the deep work to get with your soulmate, because when you are with your highest soulmate, the babies are enlightened. Oh and my God. Is- and they come through, they, they come through. Like we had talked about kids, maybe, um, only, you know, a little bit, And there was a time where my husband didn't want children. There was a time where I was in my healing and I didn't want children. And all of a sudden it just clicked for the both of us could be in that season and stage. And of course, with the amount of work that we had both done, because he was also married as well before. And so I think that having that perspective and that love and that intentionality, uh, it, it just, it just exponentiates your your gifts together and what you can create. So that will be the topic of our, <laughs> of our next episode together. Yes. Um, where can we get the book? Oh my gosh. So I have such a gift for the listeners here for wise women. Um, so that sucked now what you can get at that sucked now what.com. And when you do get it, you also get, it unlocks a 44 page uh, wow, workbook, which is color. I mean, it's it's beautifully designed, color coordinated, color coded to go through with the different three different um, phases of the book, the three parts of the book that we kind of talked about. And it just goes deeper into your own exploration of what you still may be holding on and what maybe you haven't made peace with yet. And then also it comes with my five-day healing practice. So we start with healing the relationships on day one, figuring out where you're leaking your energy to optimize yourself on day two. Day three is all about abundance. Day four is taking that brave action after the sucky moments. 
And then day five is cultivating that source, that energy source to yourself. So I'm so, so excited. Um, and yeah, we've had so many incredible, incredible people uh, endorse the book, including Jay Shetty and, and Jenna Kutcher. And so uh, it's just been such a such an honor to um, have this book be in, in now the hands of, of everybody. So Nitha, I cannot wait to get my hands on that. I also want to have you over for dinner so that we can dive into all these topics and eat good Let's food along the way. Yeah, I'm so excited. so excited. The last and final question that we ask all our guests on Wise Woman Podcast, assuming this goes viral and it is healing everyone around the world, what is a message that you would want to share with them? Yeah, that your moments of mess can be your deepest and greatest sources of magic and to embrace whatever joy that you can find in the slivers of chaos in your life at the moment, because it can give rise to your next evolution. Hmm. Nitha, thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out. It's so fun to be with you. Oh my gosh. I loved hanging out with you, love. Let's do this again. We'll do it on my podcast next time too. Amazing. Can't wait. Feel good, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Wise Woman Podcast brought to you by me, Erin Rachel Doppel. We release new episodes every week. So please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review and a loving comment. If you desire to deepen your spiritual connection, immerse yourself in Eastern ritual and Western psychology, learn how to meditate, and find the best formula for you to heal, align, and grow, make sure you are signed up for my free manifestation masterclass, Four Sacred Manifestation Rituals, where you can manifest your dream life, your soulmate relationships, platonic or romantic, and reconnect to your highest, most authentic self. You can find the link on my website, erinracheldophelt.com. That's E-R-I-N-R-A-C-H-E-L. D-O-P-P-E-L-T dot com. If you love this episode, make sure to screenshot it and tag me at Aaron R. Doppelt on Instagram for a chance to win my free spiritual program, Soul Immersion. Thank you all so much for being here. Big love and see you next week.